You're listening to the AdCast with your host, Eric Elliott. All right, everybody. I've been talking about her, and she's finally here. If you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Instagram wordsmith, the creator herself. I've been admiring Kazia for a long time on social media. And I think I told her right before we started going live, like I should be like an auditor. I probably read everything that she put on Instagram, but her career just doesn't stop there. She's a brand strategist. She's a creator. She's an influencer. And I'm proud to like call her a friend right now. (laughs) On the line with me today is Miss Kazia Israel. And I call her Kizzy. Kizzy, welcome to the AdCast today. How are you doing? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Oh, you know, why wouldn't I have you? You're, you're amazing, man. You're, you're amazing. I, you know, if for, for those people who are not familiar with who you are and what you do, would you mind educating everyone on and who Kezia Israel is? So my name is Kezia, or you can call me Kizzy. And I'm a verbal identity strategist, former brand strategist, former graphic designer, and I do um, messaging for fintech companies. Mm. Now, for those people who don't know exactly what fintech is, let's let's tell them about fintech because right now it is blowing up. <laughs> so fintech, I hope I get this definition right. Fintech is basically how um, using technology to automate the delivery of financial services. Mm-hmm. So it just makes financial um, access to financial services a lot more easier. You know, one of the big fintech companies was uh, one that was called Cabbage. And, 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 and this is how serious that fintech companies are, mm-hmm. is that you would have huge brands like American Express just come along and say, I'm attracted to that. Or other fintech companies like Affirm. And do you think like uh, that the whole fintech space, like this is the future of lending now? Is that it? Definitely. And it's funny that you said cabbage because I worked with them um, as a um, customer. So Mm. I'm familiar with them. So I do think this is the future of how it is because we see like where the trend is with like AR, VR, Mm -hmm. AI, and just technology is really blowing up and transforming a lot of different industries. So I do think that this is the trend and I'm just trying to, you know, keep up. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing about technology is it's definitely hard to keep up with. Um, You know, I I first got you spent you mentioned VR and just recently, like our family, we got this uh, this Oculus from Meta, formerly Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, it is a different kind of experience. And if if this is a glimpse into the future of what's about to happen and then couple that with fintech and how ads are changing and brands yeah. are starting to re re-strategize, more and more people like you and I, we are more needed now than ever. Right. Definitely. Um, you know, t- how does, how does VR come into play when you're talking fintech? How does that work? I'm not sure. <laughs> I just I recently pivoted into the fintech space. So I do have a lot to learn about the industry as well. Mm -hmm. I just know that I write well, if I could, you know, toot my horn a little bit. I love to write and I love to simplify the tech jargon and just make it simple for people like me who aren't really familiar with the industry Mm -hmm. so that, you know, we can understand. 
You are a wordsmith. Uh, don't don't take that away from yourself. I want I want to ask you this question too. Now going back to fintech, and then I want to kind of pivot around a little bit mm-hmm. um, with fintech. And you, we talked about how you know lending and financing is kind of being done without even seeing or touching another person, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, do you see like more fintech happening in like uh, automotive purchases and? And in and, and, and different areas like that, because now you have some things like a uh, room where you don't have to deal with a, a car salesman at all. You do yeah. your financing online and, and you can get approved or they can buy your car, bring you a check, all those things. I mean, well, where else is fintech going to go? I definitely think it might infiltrate the car space. And it's funny you brought that mm-hmm. up because when I got my car last year, um, the signing process was all done digitally. I didn't touch wow. not one piece of paper wow. and it was new to me. And I was like, Oh, is this safe? And the computer was built into the desk and it was just like sign here. And I'm like, this is weird. Wow. You know? So I definitely think that it's going to be infiltrating a lot of different um, industries and really transforming how we um, do business. I, I think it's definitely an interesting in, um, an interesting uh, new turn in business mm-hmm. and financing right now. And it's definitely not going away. Um, and, and probably people had that same kind of mindset like you did, you know, can I trust this before they move forward yeah. with it? You know, yeah. um, how, how did you get started into the creative and the branding and everything else? How, how did you get started into that? So um, well, going way, way back um, when I grew up, I grew up in Jamaica, you should know. And there was an artist who lived in like our complex and every time he would get to um, drawing, I would watch him and just, you know, watch his technique and watch how he, he drew and stuff. And I said like, Oh, that's what I want to do. I'm going to be an artist. And I would start, I started drawing and I started out as like a fine artist. So Mm -hmm. I would draw people, landscapes, um, and so on. And then when I migrated to America, I realized like, okay, maybe fine arts is not the way to go because it really doesn't, you know, pay enough to sustain you. And through that, I went to college and I found out that I can do art on the computer, hence graphic arts. So I got into graphic arts and I um, kept learning, you know, went to a two-year college, then a four-year college. And after um, becoming a graphic artist, I decided to go back to college and get my master's in marketing and just Mm -hmm. really having a holistic view of the creative industry and understanding, you know, the business side and the creative side. And that's kind of how, you know, my path kind of ended up where it is today. Wow. When when did you come into America? In 94. Is, you know, when you came into America, um, you know, Tell me, like, what was that like for you? Because you like you had grown up seeing this one artist, and then you come and you see this opportunity. I mean, was it for you like, uh, like I need to go seize everything? Uh, did you just move forward with creative? Did you just see opportunities? What was that like for you? It was, it was different because um, it, where I grew up, it's a small community. So I wasn't really exposed to a lot. Like I didn't go to um, a lot of museums. I was just, I just knew him. Like I knew he um, did art. I knew he painted, but I didn't know like there was more of him and there's more art in the world. 
So when I came up, it was just like, like, oh my God, wow. like, this wow. is what I can do. So like, I just never look back. I've always loved art. I've always had a passion for um, like creative and mm -hmm. that's just how it's always been. You know, sometimes when you see people say like, if you, um, if you had followed your dream, what would you have done? And I'm like, no, I followed my dream. Good for you. you know? So. And a good, good setup there. Now I want to ask you kind of, I mean, what, what keeps you going every day? Um, because, you know, for a lot of creatives, it's not always money. It's the passion for what we do, but what, what, is, what, what is it that just keeps driving you daily? What is that? It's definitely the passion for what I do. And creative is really tricky. You know, you really can't be in it for the money. You know, if mm -hmm. you follow the passion and the love for it, the money will come. Mm. And, it, and it'll come in abundance. Um, so for me, I also like when I started out, I was driven, you know, like I have to make money and I have to do this and I have to make this much. And I was miserable because yeah. you know, it's just it just doesn't work. You know, you got to enjoy what you do because the manifestation of that is going to be shown in your the output and the art you know, right. in the piece that you create. So you got to mm -hmm. really enjoy what you do because when others consume that, um, the result of the end result, you know, the artwork, whether it's writing or um, an image or something, they're going to feel that. Now, I, I want to go into the business. I want to dive into business a mm -hmm. little bit. You know a lot about business. Um, and, and I want to talk about some brands. Do you, do you feel like some, um, some brands, uh, let's just say some big companies, like they have no brand identity. And then when you're walking into work with a company, I mean, what are some of the things that you're looking for before you engage with them? That's a good question. Um, to be honest, I don't pay attention to a lot of brands as much as I should. Mm -hmm. I kind of know what works, what doesn't. And I probably should start looking at what brands are doing and, you know, who is doing what and who's not doing this, who's not doing that. But I know brands that I do like. I know brands that um, are doing um, things that catch my eye and I go like, yes, that's how it's done. So wow. I don't pay attention too much to who's not doing what because they're just not on my radar. Wow. Well, <laughs> but, what yeah. are well, a good, I mean, good point. What does a brand have to do to, let's just say, get on your radar? Because let's just say folks like us, we may look at brands a little differently because we're involved in them. Mm -hmm. But what, what do they have to do to kind of get on your radar? In terms of identity, you know, just how they speak, how they look, you know, don't try to be like everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, and I get a lot of emails you know, from companies, because I sign up to, I sign up to them to keep up with how they write emails, right. like the language they use and stuff. And it's just all the same. It's just boring. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that for my <laughs> clients. And I'm not doing this. And some of the stuff I write about, you know, is inspired by that, like, don't do this, you know, because it's boring. It's whack. Yeah, there's, um, I know your friends are Chris uh, Doe. And then one of the things that, you know, I've heard him, you know, do some teachings on and I've seen some content from you is that people believe that their logo is their brand. Yeah, right. They, they believe their logo is their brand. Let's talk about that now. I mean, what what determines a brand 
for them? I mean, is it just a logo? Is it an ad? I mean, what determines a brand? The overall look, feel, what you say, what you do in the minds of the prospect, like Mm -hmm. how they perceive it. And when you do branding, you are influencing that perception. So if there's no branding done, if there's no um, activity to influence the perception you want them to have, Mm -hmm. you will have a brand. It's just not going to be the one you think you have. And people in their mind hmm. think they have this brand that's completely different from how people see them. Uh, Do you think some people get confused because some people – um, they they may feel like okay, well I advertise, but they see that as branding. Yeah, you know, I mean, is to you is there a big difference there, on just you know your branding? This is your voice, and then oh, you're just running a commercial here. I mean, do you see a big difference in the two? So whenever you step out to do any kind, like all marketing is branding, but not all branding is marketing because when you add the call to action, you're marketing. So. In the essence, they are branding. It's just not the branding that they think they are doing. Mm-hmm. So when they um, run ads and there's no messaging, well, you're really not doing yourself any favors. You know, it's just wasted dollars. And why people think that a logo is a brand, I think it's just a lot of clutter a lot mm. of verbal clutter on the internet about wow. what a brand is and a logo is this and people who aren't really as educated on the topic, they're putting out this information and people who aren't um, educated on branding or who know how to spot the difference between the real and the fake, they just run with that. I agree. I agree hundred percent. We, we had, we've had people that would come to us and say, Hey, can you give us a logo? We turn it down. Because immediately, like it, it would kind of dovetail into what you said is that people are thinking that once you make that logo, that's their brand. Yeah. So like we would tell them, okay, if we are going to create a logo for you, let's let us help create a brand identity for you and tell you like, okay, like we'll ask some questions and interview them. You'll be amazed on how many people just have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just have no idea. But I think, you know, do you think some marketers are wrong because we don't teach them the difference? Or do you think some marketers just don't know the difference themselves? Both. Um, Some marketers are wrong because they're driven by money. And it's Mm. just like, if you're going to pay me to give you what you want, I'm going to give you what you want. Mm -hmm. And some marketers don't know because um, when it comes, because when I went back to school to get my uh, master's in marketing, it was a lot of overlap. And I could tell that my um, fellow um, students, they um, colleagues, they didn't know anything about branding. And it's just like, this is interesting. Like, wow, we need to have like some kind of branding in the marketing curriculum in colleges because there is a disconnect you know, between the branding team and the marketing team. Mm-hmm. And some of them just don't know. Do you think a lot there's still relevancy now um, in college with someone being a marketer? And, and I only asked that because I had someone say to me like, okay, do I need to send my kid to school to be in advertising and marketing? And my answer was no. And And it's not to take away from anything that anyone goes to college for. Um, I, I think really you have to really put yourself in that space 
that's that's my opinion. You have to put yourself in that space and really emerge yourself in in, in sociology, how people respond to things, you know, yep. design, everything else. And I think you can be an amazing marketer because sometimes like when you are done with the three, four years of school, those things could be outdated, especially like, you know, how fast things are moving now, you know? And I was going to say that the relevancy of some of the marketing courses that I took, I feel like it's not, well, school is good if you want to be an employee. If you want to run your business, Mm. I don't really see the need. I should say that college because I went through grad school and I'm looking back like fudge. Why did I spend all that money? (laughs) You know, it's good. I know some stuff, you know, that can help me, but it's just like, man, how did I spend that money? You know, learning more about entrepreneurship and, you know, being Uh boots on the ground, running a business. I could have been much farther ahead, but you know, it is what it is. But I think college is good if you want to help somebody run their company. Wow, man. What are, what do you think are some important things that brands should do to kind of find their voice? Some important things that brands should do to find their voice. Know who your personality is, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You, got, you know, you got to know um, the distinctiveness of the personality that you are hoping to convey Mm -hmm. um knowing your audience you know what they respond to how they respond to you what Mm -hmm. their personality is also um so that you know you can align um with their beliefs ideals values and whatnot um know what you stand for know what you are against and you know don't straddle the line just pick a side no, I, th- I think they're all great points. Um, there's in the last, let's just say last two to three years, I feel like I've seen some brands just become so confused, uh, you know, especially after things like, you know, where, where, you know, Black Lives Matter, you had, you know, George Floyd's death that was instrumental and sparked a lot of, you know, needed change, you know, mm-hmm. and attention and change. Um, where I felt like, you know, everyone was trying to hit a DEI initiative almost, you know, D- do you feel like, uh, like some of these brands are just lost? Like they don't know what to do or, you know, they don't know how to, they don't know how to market. They just know how to advertise. I think they're lost because they don't know themselves. You know, it's easy to get lost when you don't know yourself. You don't know what you stand for. So any trend that comes about, you know, you're going to hop on it because you're trying to appease consumers so you mm-hmm. can keep dollars in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And the irony is, is like, like people like me, I see that, you know, oh. and, you know, depending on the day, I may call you out. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> How, how as, as creatives, you know, and I know you guys have touched on this before, but as creatives, how do we ensure that we are being paid justifiably for what we are helping to create? I um, I had a, a client partner of ours um, when they called. The first thing they said was, 
Hey, I've spent a lot of money with you and I, I want, I want to, I want this really good. And uh, I want a really amazing ad and I want it. Uh, and I want you, I want you to give me a discount. I, I want you to give me a discount, but you, you think about it in retrospect, you know, they, they want to take what you've made for them and make millions. I mean, so how, how do you effectively price yourself as a creative? How, how, how do you do that? So I do a lot of value-based pricing. So um, the price is based on the value. Like what is the value to you? Like what mm -hmm. would be um, the loss if this doesn't work out the way you want it to, what would be the loss if I don't do it? What would be the loss if someone else does it, but it's not at the same quality? Mm -hmm. So it's not about what I can do or <clears throat> how much I'm going to charge you per se, or how long it's going to take me to do. It's what's the value to you? How much is it worth to you? Mm -hmm. And if we align, then we work together. And if we don't, then we... You know, Part ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in a day and age, because there's always going to be somebody who's going to do a decent job and cheaper. Cheap, yep. Than exactly. you would. So, exactly. I mean, uh, is it where you're competing against these other people or are you just saying, hey, this is my price. I'm amazing at it. You came to me. If you want me to do it, this is just it. And if not, you know, good luck. I mean, absolutely. Uh, what, I mean, what happens, what happens there? Absolutely. Are, are you, and, you know, it's easy to say it now because, you know, when you have experience under your belt, you know, you can pick and choose, you mm -hmm. know, who you work with. But, you know, when you're starting out, it's a little bit harder because one, oh, yeah. you don't have the confidence. Two, you don't have the, the, the flow, you know, the amount of the influx of clients coming in. So you tend to be a little more desperate. And, mm. you know, you discount and you cut your prices because you're trying to appease and win the client. But. I think even starting out, you know, you can set your boundaries and put your foot down and be like, no, it's not going to be that much. It's going to be this much. And if you are not okay with it, you can go somewhere else. Imagine if we all did that, you know, yeah. then there wouldn't be anyone coming to us making demands talking about this is how much I'm going to pay or this is what I can afford. It would be no, we don't go to doctor's offices and do that. No, that's true. I, I, yeah, I, I made this comment to my wife before. I said doctors are the best salespeople. <laughs> no, no one is negotiating the price of that knee replacement. Exactly. You know, they're just not doing it. If the doctor says he's got to do heart surgery on you, you're like, it, the, the only day you're negotiating is when you're going to get it done versus, exactly. you know, um, hey, doc, can you take 15% off because I'm a repeat patient? You know, yeah, no exactly. one's doing that, you know? It doesn't happen. Um, yeah, you, and that's you the may, mindset we got to have. It, 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 you have to. And and I think sometimes it's uh, like you made a great point where some people just don't get that opportunity often, you know, mm -hmm. and and you made a great pivot, um, you know, in your business. And when you were you were actually working with, you know, more African-American females. And 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 I want to ask you this, you know, ask you this question, too. Do you ever feel like, you know, like like sometimes like you have to be really, really good to be able to get the attention with your creative and your mindset to be able to just say, Hey, I should be able to bid on that job too. That's a good question. Um, knowing what I know now, um, I wouldn't necessarily say you have to be really good, but mm -hmm. I think your positioning have to be really good. Wow. 
because no. you can you can you can get certain opportunities um based on you being good but people notice people who stand out and that ties back to positioning hmm. now I, I love that i love that now let's talk about positioning now let's let's explain to people exactly what positioning is so positioning is how you are remembered in the mind of your audience what they know you for so for example we all hear about brand strategists. Everybody's a brand strategist these days mm -hmm. before everyone was a dis graphic designer. So <laughs> when everyone stopped like, oh, I want to be a brand strategist and everybody's a brand strategist. And I'm like, this is interesting. I don't like to blend in. Right. I don't like to blend in. So I'm like, so what can I do to stand out? Like, how am I going to stand out and make a difference? Like, what are my strengths that I can bring to the forefront? Mm -hmm. And that's how I came up with verbal identity strategists and everybody is like, mm. what is that? Verb what is this? And it's just like, it's, it's been uphill ever since. Uh, dude. I, I, I like that verbal identity strategist. I like that. You, yeah. you, uh, you made a post on your Instagram and, and I love watching your, your, your carousels. And I'm going to make sure in, like in the show notes, we put your Instagram handle out there. But oh, one of the things you. that you had said was, yeah. Um, you don't deserve a new client and here's why. And you, and you went through these different steps on like on, on when someone doesn't deserve a new client says, why don't you deserve a new, why don't you have new clients? And then it went on. I think it started, it was like, you see them as a meal ticket, you yeah. know, or, 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 you know, you see, you, you don't invest in self-improvement. All yeah. of these were like, all of these were so powerful. I mean, I, I want to be able to, bring these to you, but tell me exactly like, you know, what, what was the headspace like and exactly what you meant? Because I think that one carousel was so powerful. It was almost enough to make people say, you know, I need to stop and check myself for a little bit. You know, um, the first one you said was you see them as a meal ticket and not a strategic partner. Tell me about that. So a lot of people, when like everybody's how, questions, how do I get new clients? How do I get new clients? It's like, what are you doing to get clients? Like, when the clients come, like, are you providing value? Like, what are you getting new clients for? Because people like to say, like, charge your worth, level up, do this, do that. And it's just about the money. Mm. You know, it's not about making a connection or helping the, the client, you know, grow their business, mm -hmm. achieve their goals. It's just about the money. So it's just like, is it a meal ticket? Like, what is wow. it? You just trying to get to the next level. You just trying to hit that 10 K a month box. Like, you know, what is it? Uh, guilty. Been there before. Um, <laughs> um, you don't invest in self-improvement and this is a big one for me. This, this is a big one for me because I, I always believe like, if you're going to play the game, you got to practice, Yeah. you know, um, tell me, tell me where you were coming from with this one. So with not investing in self-improvement, a lot of people, they leave college or they leave their um, training program and it's just, they're just on this path like, oh, I got to get new clients, got to do this. But it's like, are you learning new skills? Are you right. learning new things that you can take back to your clients and help them, <clears throat> excuse me, 
help them grow? Like, how are you leveling up so your clients can level up? Because what you know and what you learn, you can help them grow and you can show them, you know, how to do things differently and change their perspective and give them new ideas. So how are you leveling up? You know, are you charging 10 times more, but you still have the same set of skills? Like, no, I don't believe in that. Man, a a mentor of mine, his name's Arnie Malham, and he used to have an advertising agency. And he tells me, he told me this story about a client that he had. He said, Eric, that client told me that if I don't grow, they will fire me. And I didn't get it. But then when when he broke it down, he said, because that client intended to grow. And if that client was growing and his agency was not growing, not just in people, but in value that they're providing, he yeah. said he, he was going to get rid of them. I, and he said, he said, the minute he told me that I got the message and I made sure that we always grew, yeah. not just, ju- not just the bottom line, but the people as yeah. well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a huge one. So like when you said, when I saw that line, uh, that one was really, really big to me. Yeah, really big. Absolutely. Another one, another line that you said in that same post, it was, you don't deliver on your promises. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So people like to talk a big game. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. And then it's like later on, like, oh, wait a minute. Weren't you supposed to do this and that? And I'm around some of these people and it's like, Really? You need new clients? What did oh. you do for that last client? Did oh. you deliver? Like, stop. Oh, <laughs> oh, I know. I know exactly what you mean now. Um, what, what about if you don't take care of the clients that you have? That's one of the things you, you posted. And I remember like uh, my, they always said to me, like, if you don't take care of your garden, the weed is going to take over. Exactly. You got to take care of the clients that you have. And it also builds that, you know, customer service muscle. Mm. And I'm working on that too, you know, because I'm not um, good at like the follow up and emailing, you know, past clients like, hey, how are you? And things of that nature. So I'm guilty of that one too. But it's just, you know, treating the customers you have now, treating them right. So when the new customers come, you already have that, you know, they fall into a groove and, you know, you know how to treat them once they come in. Because good, when you treat customers good, clients good, they tell other Mm. people, you know, so. Or or like another line that you said is you don't believe in their business and you don't buy in their products. Yes, definitely. I definitely believe this one. You I don't know how you can work on somebody's company or their brand or their products and you don't believe in it. Mm. Don't do it. I think it's just being like, you're just doing it for the money. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't believe in your company, I don't believe in your vision. I'm not working with you. I'm sorry. You know, and if I do work with you, I'm going to buy your products. I'm going to rock it. I'm going to tell everybody about it because I believe in it. Yeah. Your endorsement should mean something. Exactly. Yeah. You know, partnering with someone, you know, having them on your, your partner or client roster, uh, that's all, that's an endorsement as well. You're hiring one another. 
Exactly. You know, they hired you because they believed in you and you were working with them, hopefully because you believed in them, not money first. We got to exactly. make money. We, I believe, you know, we have to make a profit, but at some point, you know, we have to have purpose as well too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing, you know, it's just not all, all money, you know? Yeah. Um, and the last line, and I'll leave that post alone because that, <laughs> that one just kind of stood out. It was just people. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, it's like people want to charge more but still deliver, you know, mediocre work. So I want to charge you 2025 prices, but I'm going to give you 2005 services almost. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. And we see that a lot in our space where people like, okay, now they're a brand strategist and they just want to charge $10,000 for strategy. And I'm like, well, what am I getting? Like, what are you giving people for $10,000? You know? So we got to be mindful of that. Like, yes, we want to charge more and we want to increase the perceived value, but we mm-hmm. also got to increase the actual value. What I mean, if someone's coming to us, I mean, what kind of value should we give them? What should we give them without giving them too much? Well, it depends what they're coming to us for. Mm-hmm. Um, are they coming for That's direction? Just- yeah, let's let's just say if we had you had someone coming to you saying, look, man, my marketplace is crowded, just almost anything else, you know, and I don't stand out in the marketplace. And and I hear I hear you're the best. You know, can you rebrand me? You know, so we got to figure out what's going on. Why don't you stand out? And what would you like to stand out for? Like, how would you want to be known? And just really getting under the hood to see what the real problem is. Because sometimes they come to you and they think they have this problem, but it's actually something else. True. Or it's, um, we're not getting to the root. So we can't put Band-Aid over any problems. We have to get to the root, find out what it is. And depending on the um, service, is it consultation? Is it work? Then we go from there. And and the next one is a two-part question. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what if people are not willing to change? If they come to you and they say, this is what I want, but they're not willing to change. And and while you're doing your due diligence, you find out that there's some more underlying things on what's causing them to not be successful versus the one thing. So if they're not willing to change, could you still work with them? Uh, No. And um, one of the things that my mentor um, told me one time, he was like, don't work with small minded entrepreneurs. Mm. They just don't want to change. They don't want to make any improvements. They'll complain that this isn't right. This isn't working. But then they don't want to make the improvements because they're either scared. They're not ready. They don't want to grow. So just don't work with them. And I'm fine with that. No, I agree with you, Uh, man. I. See, I told you, you're, you're like a wordsmith. You see, um, how, how, how in today's day and age, we're in such an SEO day and age and, you know, standing out, you know, how important is blogging and content, uh, social, how important is all that now? I definitely think it's important. And in terms of like creating evergreen content and being able to, set yourself up where people can find you not just today, but a few um, months, few years Mm -hmm. from now. Um, SEO is evolving. You know, we now have SEO on like Instagram, social media, and how we use keywords in our bios and things of that nature. Um, 
is improving how we use captions and videos because now those are being um, crawled for SEO. So including captions, I think SEO is like really changing and improving. Um, And it's definitely important to have a blog and create content. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Now, um, I I ask everyone this question, these questions. Um, Yeah, you're getting prepared now, right? (laughs) Now, I want to ask, like, because we're we're in such an an instant gratification, I want it now type of age. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you about, you know, some mediums. And I want you to kind of tell me what you think. Like, you know, for example, I'll ask you, like, how effective is radio nowadays? You know, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on on these different mediums. And then I want to find out what your favorite social platforms are and why. Is that cool? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So uh, um, let's start out with radio. I mentioned radio. So what do you think about radio today? I don't know where it's going because I don't listen to it anymore. So Wow. <laughs> how about television? Netflix. <laughs> Do you ever read the newspaper? No. How about outdoor billboards? Effective? Effective if I'm on the highway. Okay. Um, let's just say uh, Google. Google ads. Are they effective? If I'm not paying for it, yeah. Social content, SEO. Yes. Very effective. And out of the social media platforms, which one would you say is your favorite and why? I would say Instagram because I connect with people. I'm more social on Instagram, I would say. And Mm -hmm. it's easier to show people not just the work side, but the off hours side, if you will, the private side and... So far, I'm I'm having fun, and it's growing. So right now, it's my favorite. Could change in a year. (laughs) Kizzy today. What would Kizzy today tell Kizzy from five years ago? Read more books. Wow. (laughs) Um, Take chances. Take more chances. Hmm. And learn at your own pace. Those are good. Those are really good. Sounds like you put some thought into that one, too. Yes. All right. So, man, this is awesome, man. Now, what's on the horizon for you? What's next? So, on a surface level, I want to get my website done Mm because I need to get that done. Um, But on a more micro level, I want to do more workshops, teaching workshops, like showing people how to create carousels like the ones I create, mm-hmm. um, brand voice workshops, brand naming workshops, and really diving into the verbal identity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. That's, you know, Kizzy, mm-hmm. I, I love following your content. I love keeping mm-hmm. up with you. I am, I'm, I'm proud to talk to you. Love following you. Let's continue to stay in touch. Let's continue to stay in touch. Yes. yes, Um, yes. And, and I want to just thank everybody, you know, especially you Kizzy for just being on, um, make sure you tell everybody those handles. I want them to be able to follow you, tell them how to find you and follow you. So I'm on all social media as Mm -hmm. 
Kizkopop, K-I-Z-K-O-P-O-P. Instagram has an underscore at the end of the P because I had to delete the previous page because it was automated, fake followers, everything. So I had to scrap that, start from zero. So on all social media, Kizkopop, and on Instagram, Kizkopop underscore. Awesome. So I want to thank you uh, again for being an amazing guest. I want to thank also uh, the listeners of the podcast and for everybody giving us their most valuable asset, which is their time. You know, it's so the one thing we can't buy back regardless of how much money that we have. Um, if anybody feels like this podcast has been awesome to them and they want to be able to share it, go follow Kizzy one to be able to see how much of a wordsmith she is. Right. And, and also share this podcast out because hopefully it can actually help one of those motivated marketers and aggressive advertisers out there. Um, and you can listen to this podcast anywhere, iHeart, Google, Spotify, um, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. We want you to be able to tune in. Again, thank you to our guests. This is the AdCast. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to give us a five-star rating. 